0: Hi folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Mellison IV. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Militia Vox. Militia Vox is a singer-musician, TV host, and all-around badass. We're talking about the time she snuck to Woodstock 94, her stand-up fuse, her band Judas Priestess, and some other cool shit too. Jacket, How's it looking in New York?
1: The Well, it's January, so it's awfully bleak. But I don't mind the bleak.
0: Exactly, so how long have you been out there?
1: I've been in New York... Hmm fuck's sake it's already been 20 years
0: cool that's yeah the first time in the new york was actually 20 years ago first time yeah, It's
1: been 20 years and like that's kind of mind-blowing to even think about so next question
0: <laughs> all right okay so you're from maryland originally though right
1: yeah born in silver spring you know that's like you know dave Chappelle country um Born in Silver Spring and raised in Columbia, and I went to school in Glen Elg and went to school in Elchester and high school in Baltimore.
0: Nice. I was born in Silver Spring too. Yeah.
1: Oh, were you?
0: Rumor is the same hospital as Lewis Black.
1: What hospital is that?
0: Holy Cross Hospital.
1: That's where I was born.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Our fathers are probably next to each other. <laughs>
1: You should have come over and said hi. Yeah. <laughs> <Shoot>.
0: <laughs> so, multi-instrumentalist, right? Yeah. What do you play?
1: Um. Well, I, my first instrument was piano. And I sat on piano at age eight and really excelled at it and became basically concert pianist level at a very young age. and. I used to play the malls and stuff like that in the the Maryland, like in the area. Um, Recitals and Christmas concerts and all kinds of crap like that. And uh, I used to compete, so I'm actually one of the best in the state. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's part of my life that I never really discussed that often or got to discuss that often because um, I don't do competitive piano anymore, but I did it you know, all the way up till I was, like, 19 years old, 20 years old. Um, And then when I went to music conservatory, they were like, you're really great. We don't really have anything left to teach you about piano. And I'm like, oh, cool, okay. So I just kind of, like, now I just, you know, I play for me. I play for fun. I use it for songwriting and things like that. And sometimes I'll play public, but very, very rarely, um, just because I was on display for my entire youth playing piano. So um, from that, I was like, well, fuck it. Like, I really would like an instrument that is more portable and easier to carry. So I started playing bass guitar and guitar um, when I moved to New York and gotten like local bands playing uh, bass and guitar and singing. And uh, from there, I was just kind of like, oh, this is... This is cool and all, but I'm I'm really a front man, so, you know, I switched over to do mostly lead singing. Sometimes I would like lead sing and play guitar, um, or play keys or synth things like that. In my solo band, I do I do all of that. So, yeah, it's cool shit. Hmm.
0: So what else do you play too? Cause I think I saw you play violin for a second, right?
1: No, no, I I. The the violins like I don't know you have to love the sound of it.
0: <laughs> Damn, I must have misread that. Damn, I
1: feel it's like yeah. Sh- I think you're thinking Jessica Pimentel. She plays violin.
0: I might have been checked out. I'm two different articles at the same time, but well, it was good. more than one. Like I could have sworn you said you played drums too, right?
1: I played drums briefly in high school, and I determined that it sucked, and I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but I did like a lot of percussion instruments in like band and like orchestra situations. Um, like I used to play timpani and all kinds of stuff like that. And it was fun, but it was just like, yeah, I want like, you know, I know I'm meant to do more. Like I was definitely mostly interested in songwriting and um, original compositions and things like that. So I was making the change. But that was all fun, you know. I can do it, like I still could do it, but it's like, you know. Um, songwriting, I just find so infinitely interesting.
0: What's your creative process?
1: Uh, for songwriting? Yeah. Well, I try to write every day. I mean, I try to write something every day. I try to at least get my ideas down. I feel like for most songwriters, that's the trickiest part, is remembering all the ideas, because... You know, the songwriter's brain is just like, I mean, the human brain, period, is just like you're getting bombarded with thousands of thoughts, like, every second, every day. And sometimes you catch a thought, and you think to write it down, and sometimes you don't, and then you kick yourself for it later. So really the bulk of, like, the the, the first step is catching your ideas, right? So I just try to catch ideas of, like, you know, maybe words I find interesting, or maybe I'm reading a book and there's a reference brought up in it and I'm like, I do the research and then, and then think of what that idea could mean or my interpretation of the idea. It's pretty heady what I'm talking about, but um, that's honestly what it is. Or sometimes I'll, I'll hear a song and I'll be like, damn, that's a really, really great idea, but I don't love the execution. How could I fix it and make it better? Or how could I fix it in a way that's more me? Or I'll hear, like, some music, and I'll be like, oh, that's a really interesting section. Like, how would I change that? Or how would I morph that into something I like better? You know, it can come from all kinds of places. And then sometimes it comes out of the clear blue sky. <laughs> and you're just like, you just get hit with an idea. And I'm like, wow, I don't know where that came from, but I'm, I feel lucky to have caught
0: the idea you know actually we have a very similar process you know like in my case like i might hear a song and like deconstruct the fuck out of it yeah. you know and try to figure out okay so maybe change this note right here change the note right here change this note right here until i frankenstein that motherfucker and everything right and mm-hmm. then it becomes like an earworm right and then i realize okay how the hell do i play this on guitar so mm-hmm. then I- and I broke the old keyboard actually right and I'm like Stevie Wonder I am not so mm-hmm. i got to figure out like okay so i'm kind of tone deaf so I'm trying to scat it out okay maybe find a note here yeah found it so it's like wow it's an e major damn you know or mm-hmm. it's like oh it's a c minor but it can also be the also be in the third for a major so okay got an idea i'll do that kind of thing you know like i will, yeah. i like do you have like whole albums in your head
1: Sure, easily
0: same here, you know, or like overthink shit, like, I had this one name for my solo album, right, well it's called Belly of Beautiful Chaos, but then I realized when you break down the initials, it says BBC and I'm like, that sounds familiar, wait, that means born in British Broadcasting Corporation, forget it. Um, <laughs> was out yeah,
1: there. but think of it this way, I mean, there's only so many letters and so many Notes and so many, you know, so many, so many themes. Uh, you could take that and like change it into something else, or you can just use it. I mean, who cares what the initials are?
0: Yeah, good point. Overanalyze everything. Like, shoot, even the yeah, interview. like
1: don't overanalyze it because then you end up talking yourself out of the idea in the first place. <sighs>
0: Oof. I'm in this picture. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> really? All right, so, but interesting enough. So, who did? You- I get a weird Nine Inch Nails influence on a lot of your music, right? Yeah. Sure. All right, because I was thinking when I heard the piano stuff, I was thinking, it sounds very downward spiral. So am I on something, or just like coincidence?
1: No, you're. I mean, definitely. I, I'm sure I'm showing my influences for sure. But, um, I mean, I'm a huge... I, I pray at the Church of Trent Reznor. I definitely think he is one of the few authentic innovators in heavy music. Um, like somebody who is like often duplicated, but like never, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, he's got, he's got his sound and it's very specific to him. And I think maybe what sounds like Nine Inch Nails the most in my music would be just the use of like industrial music at a live piano, like an organic piano sound. Which is very Nine Inch Nails sound, but in theory, it's just it's electronic music with a piano. So you don't get that a whole lot. I mean, I guess who else has done it? Or who else does it in that way? I honestly can't even think of anyone right now.
0: True, because when I think industrial, I think of stuff like Godflesh. I think of uh, right. Ministry, I think of Skinny Puppy. Sure. You know, let's think of Front 242. Sure, um, I think of stuff like that. But also, yeah,
1: you know, there's no like piano in it.
0: Exactly, you know, like that's what makes it special, though. What's right and everything, you know.
1: Well, that's I always like to combine like synthetic noises with organic sounds. I mean, there's a lot of times that I I take samples from real life, or I take sounds from videos I see on YouTube, and then I fuck them up to make them sound like what I need.
0: That sounds pretty dope, actually. You know, I got to work on my sampling skills. I'll so put it that way. You know, I'm more of a mashup guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, since, like, um, since, you know, due to COVID-19 and everything, I couldn't exactly get everybody in a small room together to jam out. So, mm-hmm. what does one do? Oh, yeah, he going to make mashups when I was a kid. So, next thing you know, I'm finding, like, stuff by Tassouro Yamashita, you know, in Paramore making, like, these weird mashups. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm... That is matched with the roots and the eagles. Came out pretty good. Um <laughs> But yeah, okay, so you're featuring they Say I'm Different, you know, the Betty Davis documentary. I was wondering, has she been has she been an influence on you?
1: Um you know what, she I wasn't aware of her until like man, I was already living in New York when I found out about Betty. And it was just because I looked up like You know, I think as black rock artists and practitioners and black rock um, music lovers, we try to find each other because, you know, it's kind of niche. It's kind of, you know, it's not a mainstream type of thing that we're doing here. So it's like we eventually try to find each other. So I was trying to find others like me. I guess this was like in... The early 2000s and i found a picture of her and i had no idea what she sounded like you know all i saw was like badass fucking sepia and bitch with like a big afro and she was on a motorcycle and i was like yeah like i'm can identify with with her like i get it like that's i can relate
0: and that's what i was looking for too because i remember when i first heard about her i was like it was literally there was a cd in my parents garage right and i was like oh who's this i was like oh that's betty davis and all right but that, the way that the solemn tone i was like oh did she die or something no 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 no. she's just you know that was just betty davis you know and mm-hmm. i didn't know the whole in- the whole introverted story and everything you know she's like hey. You know, like people always say, she's like people always say, "Oh, I'm an introvert." No, 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 no. Betty Davis is an introvert. You just basically don't like to go outside. Two yeah. different things.
1: Yeah, like like um I remember I did a show at BB B. King's, like kind of early on in my career, and um, it was a it was a P Funk event, Um and some, I don't know, a journalist from the audience came up to me and said, oh, you're like, you're like the new Betty Davis. And I had no idea what he was talking about because that picture that I found of Betty, I didn't even, didn't have her name on it. (laughs) So I didn't even know who it was. So like when he said that, I was like, who is he talking about? And I was like, okay, I'm going to Google this. And then when I saw that, that her picture, I was like, Okay, and I connected the dots, and I was like, okay, now this makes sense, but I still hadn't heard her, because this was like, you know, before Spotify, before whatever, her music was like out of print, and yeah. I mean, you couldn't find her, unless you had her records already, you couldn't find her online, so it took a while for me to find her, but it was like, it was, you know, a process of years, and finally when I did hear her, I was like, oh my god, this is so fucking cool. Like it was just cool because it was so, like, it was just so aggressively feminine, which is like an attitude and an energy that I definitely identify with.
0: That's why I dug about her too, because the way she was described it was almost like, see, here's one thing about me I have a fucking psychotic hatred, disdain for. I hate revisions of history. I yeah. Because i'm starting to see right now like you know like you know okay now i guess you know our era and our age it's like you know it's like like people like our age our parents now they're trying to rewrite history saying oh 90s hip-hop way more conscious so we tried to call nwa conscious music
1: Mm, okay
0: (laughs) exactly so i'm like i don't think
1: yeah, I don't think it was conscious, but they were just, they were commenting yeah. uh, what their environment was, that was it. It wasn't conscious, it was just but, their, that's all.
0: But somebody's revisionist, I'm like listen, I know nostalgia's a thing, but I'm like are they bringing crack back too? We're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, shit doesn't make any sense. I'm like, you know, good lord. You know, it's like, like Easy e said himself, he was not a role model.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah, was, I don't know. It's, because, it's just the legacy thing. It's because they survived. Like, if they had just, like, curled up and not gone beyond that, that band or group or whatever you want to call them, if they had not gone on to do, have, like, legitimate Hollywood careers, it would be a completely different story.
0: I remember reading also about this one, you know, called shock rock band, called, shock rock band called Vulgaris. You know, could you tell me more about that?
1: Oh God, that Vulgaris was—it <laughs> was just such an abomination. <laughs> it was such a, like, just like a crazy shock rock thing that I just basically, like, I—I I guess I wanted to do it just to see if I could do it, and I always wanted to be part of. um just a just a unique band, something that was just kind of like, you know, it was kind of Marilyn Manson esque and it was just like very unapologetic and very kind of uh it was just very New York. You know, just combined, you know, the New York rock sound with like performance art and and just shock value. I mean, we used to play and hat would have like people like uh, like spark grinding on stage with us or like flambeau would like set the edge of the stage on fire while we were playing. I mean, we did all kinds of stuff like that. And the band was like featured on Real Sex because the singer, the lead singer, she was a performance artist and she also worked as a dominatrix. And um, so they did like a feature on us. Why- that was.
0: I Funny. remember y'all now. Can's okay, coming back now because real sex <laughs> was shit back in the day actually, right? Yes, I'm part of that generation basically where you had Cartoon Network based on Last Call and HBO basically on there. So if you're, mm-hmm. like, a, if you're like some kind of crick in the hallway, <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know? Sure. Alright.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a moment but like, you know, I I had different values than some of the other people in the band and I just... You know, I wanted to get, you know, like, musically. I just wanted to get musically better. And I felt like we were kind of, like, keeping kind of a lowbrow edge musically. And definitely wanted to go beyond that.
0: So. True, because I'm like, when I think about this, because I love the idea of Shock Rock, because, you know, I grew up on Alice Cooper. Of course, I grew up on Marilyn okay. Manson. Of course, I grew up on Guar. You know, mm-hmm. to me, I always felt low-key, like Funkadella was like, a f- black shock rock band,
1: kind of, because it scared of, the but- shit out of a lot of people. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, like in comparison, to Earth, Wind, and Fire, it was like the complete opposite. It was like the opposite oh, of that, right? Of so it scared the shit out of people. You know, and well, like,
1: Alec like, like, has this like really like wild and untamed energy.
0: Yes, <laughs> they scared you the know? fuck out of my mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> she was backstage. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, uh, it's pretty awesome. Just like a big it just feels like a big drug party
0: it sounds all right you know because I always that was one of my dreams really to create like this black shock rock thing it was like a black version of Alice Cooper then oh. I discovered huh why not do it you know I the thing about it I feel like I'm too old to do it now like you know no what no
1: way really
0: or maybe the thing about it is maybe it's like a side project under a different name you know because I'm like yeah like, for example, like okay, David Allen Co. had that the Nothing Sacred album, right, so I want to create like this this country album is basically it's pretty much it's like almost me exaggerated on pretty much me greatly exaggerated, right? so mm-hmm. yeah, you never know, Triffy, but' some but the thing with the shock rock thing was like it was more about performance than the music, though I'm like, I can't really see um you know somebody covering Slaughter Rama, you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, but there's but there's so many bands that are successful that is based mostly on the performance rather than the, right. It's like th- there's so there's so many, <laughs> so many, you know. Like, I mean, there's just so many. <laughs> I'm not gonna call anyone out, but there are a lot.
0: Shoot, my biggest inspiration, believe it or not, like as an artist, is actually Saint Clown Posse. Like, you know what? Musically, very subjective. But you know what? I, I got to commend them, basically. Like, they got a video on MTV TRL, actually, right? They actually got it voted. So it's like, oh, apparently the a glitch in the system, you know? Hell, they're actually those out in front of Times Square one time, actually, right? You know? Mm-hmm. So I commend them, basically, for staying the course. What can I say?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's room for all of that in music, so... Definitely. I mean, it depends upon how you feel and what you want to say.
0: You were at Woodstock 94, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Alright, I envy you right now because literally, alright, i put it this way. If we, if I ended up going there, we probably would have met. But I was on the way to a fan reunion in Philadelphia. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I was like 10, right? So I'm like, Shit, uh-huh. something awesome is going on because I heard about Woodstock from back in 69 because, you know, Jerry. you know, yep. Parents, you know yep. they weren't there, but you know, yeah. Anyway, right. so I'm like, shit, sounds like some cool shit's going on. And I see all the video. Fuck, I could have played been playing the mud, but no, I yeah. didn't deal with boring relatives that don't even know the I exist. So, uh-huh. so, but what was it like though? You know, what, you know, what was it like there though?
1: Well, I have to preface by saying I was way too young to be there. In hindsight, like if that, if I was my kid. I wouldn't have been there. <laughs> like she wouldn't have been there. <laughs> like this it, it was this I was out of my mind. I mean I was I would really if I have like a if I have a, a goal like I I really stop at nothing to get it. And um this was one of those times. It just I had heard about it. My my father was big into like the music of, you know, some were 69 and some love music and he raised me on all these great bands, like you know, from that era, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and The Doors and all this kind of shit. And this was the first time that there was a Woodstock since '69. So I was like, I didn't want to miss it. Like my cousin Janis had gone to the one in '69, and I was like, forever envious. Like, you know, she had all these great stories about how it was like one of the most amazing experiences of her life. So. When this came around and friends of mine were like, we've got to go, you know, I was just like, oh, fuck, all right, I'm going to figure out how to do this, and I asked my parents if I could go, and they were like, no, you're too young, and, you know, this and that, I was like, okay. So I hit them up like a week later and was like, yeah, um, you know, such and such weekend, you know, my friend so-and-so wants us to go down to the beach, and, like, we're going to hang out at the beach. Is that cool? You know, with her family. And they said, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. Not realizing it's the same weekend as as Woodstock and, like, never imagining that I would pull a fast one like that. But ta-da. So my friends and I, we drove up there, and it was just one of the, probably the greatest concert experience of my life, for sure. I don't think anything will top it. Um, you know, I was one of the first mud people. Um, I, it was just a, you know, I was on stage with Cypress Hill for a moment. And, like, you know, I saw Nine Inch Nails' mud concert. You know, I saw the Green Day concert with the grass. You know, I saw all this shit, you know. There were raves at night. I saw D. Light perform. It was just, it was just insanity, you know. Saw Metallica, Aerosmith. I mean... It was just straight-up fucking insanity. And it was pretty safe, you know, because when you talk about, like, the difference between that and the 99, yeah. it was a big... 99 ended up, like, becoming riotous, and, like, this was not that. It was definitely a different vibe. I yeah. um, Like, people were very respectful in this one, you know. There was never a time where... Well, actually, that's not true. I was going to say, there was never a time where I felt like I was in danger, but that would be a lie, (laughs) because some of those pits were intense, Um, but it was just just four days of really great fucking music, and I came home feeling really good, but I thought for sure my parents would have seen me on TV or something, because there was like every camera crew in the world was there.
0: Oh, shit.
1: prepared to come home and just fucking tell them, you know, tell all and just apologize and, I don't know, shine their shoes every day for the next ten years of my life. Um, And when I came home, like, the sun had, like, was already setting and the lights were out, like, in front of the doorway to my house, so when my dad answered the door, he just thought I'd been to the beach because I smelled so earthy. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, we want, you know, I'm real sandy and, like, kind of dirty. I definitely want to take a shower. And he was like, oh, go ahead. Meanwhile, I had, like, a hair full of mud, and I was wearing men's underwear and, like, a Mexican Baja that, like, came from who knows where. And I had lost my shoes. So I <laughs> went upstairs and, like, took a shower. And, like, as soon as, I, as the water hit me, I heard, like, the garage door come up and my mom came home, but she, like, missed all that. My mom's the critical eye in the house oh, so she okay. would told me like immediately if she had seen what I looked like but uh, yeah so I got off scat free and then I just like kept it from them for until I got out of high school until I got out of like from under their, the roof of their house <laughs> until I wasn't living with them anymore and I finally just told them I was like by the way you remember that weekend yeah and when I came clean they just they couldn't believe it they were like you can't believe you pulled that off <laughs> it was a good one.
0: That's fucking awesome, though. Shoot, yeah, because I remember like Woodstock '94 sounded pretty dope, actually. Woodstock '99. They say that's what killed new metal.
1: Kind of. It it put a really bad taste in people's mouths, you know. Plus, like that one was like kind of rapey. Like, girls were getting a couple attempted rapes happened at that one. I heard. So it was just like it was just a different thing, and like I've met Michael Lang, and like. The guy who runs Woodstock, who owns Woodstock, he he actually has a Betty Davis connection. Really? Uh-huh. So when they say I'm different, um, premiered in Brooklyn, um, Michael Lang was there. And it seemed like nobody really knew who he was, but I was like, I know who that is. So I'm like, holy shit. And so I spoke to him for a while, and he was like, yeah, you know, um, I signed... Betty to light the attic records. Like that was pretty awesome. So that was like his, that was his contribution to her story. And like, um, a lot of people don't realize that who that is, you know? Um, but yeah, he was trying to organize Woodstock 50, which didn't happen. Unfortunately. Um, he just couldn't get the permits. It's just a shame. Couldn't get the permits. And uh, when they moved it, they actually moved it to Columbia, Maryland. It was supposed to be Meriwether Post, yeah. And then um, everything fell through. Because I I guess when like the like some of the major acts that had signed on found out that it was moving to Meriwether Post and it wasn't gonna be this big huge festival, they started dropping off.
0: That sucks, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was like it was crazy. And then, of course, like the people, some of the people in Columbia were like, like, kind of upset. Like, what the hell is this going to be like? Like Woodstock, like people descending from all over the planet onto Columbia, Maryland. Like, it's such a small city, kind of still, you know. It's just kind of like not equipped for all that. But good point. It ended up falling apart. So, but I hope that he does it at some other point in time because, you know, you know the Woodstock. I hate to say brand, but it is a brand. The Woodstock brand is important in music. It's important to keep that going, I think.
0: Yeah, because that's the overseas stuff too, right?
1: Um, I don't know if they did overseas stuff, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. I mean, the festivals is kind of where it, where it was at for a while, you know. Um, but I don't know. I just There's a vibe about Woodstock that i would like to see survive i don't
0: know if it can but yeah i'll never forget when the i'll never forget when okay it's kind of weird like how stuff comes full circle like okay in mm-hmm. 1998 1999 2000 limp biscuit was the biggest band right then it became like oh yeah, you actually limp limp biscuit then you're fucking lame and now it's like people unironically love limp biscuit i'm like are, are are you fucking with me are you really serious you actually like this band and it's like this weird thing. Yeah, we always did. What happened? It's like, no, y'all did for 10 years. Y'all shit on them very right. well. Yeah. You
1: know? Well, I mean, you know, because there's like, I don't know. There's a, there's something about them. Like, you can't deny that the songs aren't well-written, right? Like, Wes Borland's a great songwriter. Absolutely. Fred, He's like... Fred, like, Wes Borland's really the unsung hero of that band. <laughs> let's
0: be honest yes have you like like you know he's great vocals like you know we did that cover master puppets i was like holy shit
1: he's so good he yeah is. i met him years ago at nam he's this really cool on like like so introverted extrovert kind of guy um and he's just really talented and he to me he's like the heart of the band but um Fred Durst gets all of the attention, obviously, as the front person, and, like, some of his antics are kind of crazy. But they just, like, people love to hate Fred Durst, you know? I feel like if they had a different singer, it would be a different story. But Fred Durst is the singer, and he definitely is, he's, like, kind of like an archetype now, you know, Terry I say. Um, He was Kyle before Kyle existed. Huh?
0: He's Kyle's dad, pretty much. He's, he's Kyle just, before Kyle existed, if you think about it.
1: right. Yeah, he's just. I don't know. He just, like, at the time when they were coming out, like, he kind of looked like a neighborhood guy. He did. So it was like, oh, like, it seemed familiar, but no one had done it before.
0: Alright, I just had a realization. Hmm. There's a parallel between. Suicidal tendencies and limp biscuit. Here's the parallel. Sure. Mike Muir basically was like the front guy, right? Vocally, eh, okay, whatever. He's like a curator, right? But Uh the main thing was the fucking band. Like he was almost like, Check out these amazing musicians I have behind me, you know? And he's kinda doing the kind of quasi cholo thing actually. Yeah. Fred Durst, he's basically doing the wigger thing and check out my amazing band behind me. Right.
1: It's okay, yeah. It's a similar model for sure. Like if they're picking they're probably like corn meets suicidal tendencies, you know.
0: True. The funny thing right. funny thing about corn was I always love how they never call themselves a metal band, they call themselves a funk band, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I always re- I always loved corn, even though like some people shit on them, but I have to say, like, their sound was so unique when they first came out, it was like jaw dropping. You know, it was really There was nothing like, and, it. like there- and there was a phase where people really were kinda like against that sound, but I liked that percussive bass sound. I think it's fucking badass sounding. Um and like they have stayed true to th- what they do and somehow been able to like test the waters like musically. Like they've branched off into like a dubstep territory, yeah. which like some people were mad about that. I wasn't mad about that. I was like they're trying I it. to they're trying to try shit. They're like expanding themselves like shit, fucking Jonathan Davis was doing bagpipe solos during
0: stuff. You're right. They played the Apollo.
1: they've always been risk takers musically, so why is anyone surprised when they did like a dubstep sound? To me it's a very natural progression.
0: Totally, you know. I mean to me I always thought because it was the anti. Like think it is right here. Every it's almost like every every other every other decade was like rock basically has like the R and B blues influence right. Seventies hard rock was basically like blues on 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 a bad acid trip. Ergo Black Sabbath, <laughs> Led Zeppelin, great cover band, um, shoot and stuff like that. And then <laughs> uh-huh. eighties was almost like we had to kick this blues influence out. Hello Bach and roll. Shout out to EJ, yeah. you know. And then '90s it was almost like, yeah, my dad's a total racist. I'm not. Are we cool, Jamal? Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. 2000s, it was almost like this weird thing where metalcore basically said like, "Fuck that wigger shit." Eminem sucks, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then now, like 20, then like 2010s, it was almost like, uh, maybe black lives do matter, you know? Until the mm-hmm. late 2010s, I noticed. And also like, you know, like all this shit got wiped out, you know, like almost every other decade. So, so now it's like people are starting to admit they like corn. Maybe you know, they starting to admit they like stuff. But it was the whole yeah, reaction.
1: That's that's because corn has hung in there. True. That's because they're a, they're considered a legacy band now.
0: That's a scary ass thought, but you're right Yeah, <laughs> i remember they like, are I remember was...
1: able to if you're able to have longevity that's how you. That's how people come back around. It's very cyclical, you know. So like you go through a phase. I guess when you're, when you hit and you're super, you're everywhere and you're super successful, and then there's a backlash that comes, almost always as like people get pissed off at their success. Yeah. You know. I mean, it happened to it happened to Metallica. It happened. To, I just watched that Bee Gees documentary the other night. It happened to the yeah. Bee
0: Gees.
1: I mean, like. The Bee Gees was probably one of the worst I ever saw. Yeah. The the Sucks thing was probably a fuck. It's had to have been a fucking nightmare to them. Oh, totally. Everywhere and think like, yay, they love us. And then all of a sudden, there's this, like, growing mass amount of hate building up against you. (laughs) I just, like, I mean, it's pretty insane. But if you're a musician and you're a true artist, you have no choice but to hang in there because that's yeah. the light.
0: How did Judas Priestess come about?
1: Um, well, the, there was two girls in the band who came up with the idea. So like, I can't take credit for Judas Priestess, but, um, as far as the, it being, you know, I, I can't, take responsibility for the seed, of, you know, of being planted. Um, but when I heard about it through a friend, you know, I was thinking everything that like everybody else thinks when they hear like female tribute band, you know, and I was like, oh, they probably suck. Like, they probably, they're probably awful. They're probably not really into the music. It's just the gimmick and blah, 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 blah. blah. And he said like, well, you know you could either check it out or you could let some other girl do it <laughs> and then be kicking yourself later, like all right, uh, fair enough, I will check it out and when I walked into the room when we met for the first time i I knew i I knew that I was gonna be the singer, like it was just instant, and we played together, went over some songs, and I was like, "That's it, like this is." This is it, we're doing this shit, and so they offered it to me and um and keep in mind that like they had been practicing for a while, like getting ready, and then bringing in a singer was like the final element, you know um but i when I initially responded to them, <laughs> I sent them photos of me with like Rob Halford over the years and they were just like what they just like their minds were blown they were like we got to get this girl but they were thinking that i was like too good to play with them which is really funny um but so they really got ready for me and so when i walked in it was just like a very seamless fit
0: all right when i think rob powerford i think of like amazing vocals right and i know Mm you more instrumentalist so once you find out you can sing
1: Um, well, I actually sang before I spoke, like, as an infant, which is kind of weird. Um, but I would sing, like, in my room, but it was very, it was very much something, like, I kept under wraps, um, just because I didn't really know what I was doing. (laughs) And then, like, uh, I started doing, uh, theater. I was doing musical theater, and, again, cast in shows, and... You know i was in like concert choir at school but i i didn't know anybody who was like a professional musician or who wrote songs that was a very very distant far-off thing i did not know anyone who did it for a living or who even did it as a hobby you know so it was just something that i knew i wanted to do and i would just work on it you know i'm an only child so i would just work on shit in my room or sing shit in my room or in the car whatever Um, and I was like, man, like, I just, I know there's something here. I have to figure it out. And so, uh, one of my teachers in high school was just, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, you could do this. And I was like, yeah, like, I just don't know, like, how, where, you know, how am I doing this thing? And so I had gotten caught up in the musical theater world and got to school for it and, you know, went to, I went to Boston Conservatory at Berkeley. And, um, you know, it just kind of like opened up this whole new world to me of, well, I could do this professionally, you know, and make a living doing it. Um, So when I got out of school, I was already getting called in for like Broadway shows and all this kind of stuff. And I started doing, you know, professional musicals, like as soon as I got out of school, I was getting high. I mean, actually... My, my senior year, I was getting in shows. I was already, like, 20 years old getting in professional productions and stuff, so that was the, the real start of it. Um, but then as far as, like, making music and singing original music, I had never done that before. I mean, I didn't even know how to make a song. And then um, my boyfriend at the time went to Berkeley and he was in this band. it's a gothic industrial band called Disciples of Astaroth. And uh, he said, he said, we're trying to write a song that's kind of like Red Water by Typo Negative. Like, would you mind crying on command? <laughs> like, Can you cry on command and then sing this bit? And I was like, you want me to be in your band? Like, my mind was, like, blown. I was like, yeah, I'll sing on it. And, like, when they asked me to join the band, I was like, it was just like a that that was like when like the world broke open you know and it was we started doing shows and touring and all this kind of stuff you know we did a, a brief stint on cleopatra records which is like the the ultimate goth label you know we just um we were just i don't know we just were like doing what felt good and we were playing shows and it was fun but I was definitely ostracized by the theater people for doing for being in a band, outside of school. Hmm.
0: So there's a hierarchy there.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's implied, yeah. Huh, I never Theater that. people see, uh, you know, rock and roll as less than you're not, you're not singing correctly if <laughs> you're singing rock and roll.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Oof. Mm-hmm. I was taking music theory in school and everything. Lord forbid if you brought up anything else outside of box outside of Bach or basically or a handle or whatever. Sure. You know? Ever it's like you bring a Frank Zappa, oh Lord, they look at like you have turs hanging out your mouth.
1: Well, I was definitely Satan in heels to them.
0: Hey. Same here I was in jazz ensemble and everything. Like yeah. it was weird as shit. You would basically have everybody play Oh well I play jazz, I play classical. How about Ozzy Osbourne? They looked at me like I was a part of like fucking mayhem, you know. Right. <laughs> you would have thought I was Euronarus, Euronimus. You thought I was that right. guy, for real, you know. Like right. it was some weird shit. Like you know, it's like you do realize if you if you put on Blizz, um you know Blizzard of Oz, you know, you're not going to get hit by lightning, right? You know, right. scared the shit of people. Actually. It's so
1: funny because like you know like. I feel like classical music and heavy metal like really go hand in hand.
0: Especially like, the 80s shit.
1: Yeah, like you know? heavy metal is so classical, like just turned up. Pretty and much. You know? Such a bad. It gets such a bad rap. I just, ugh. it's just it's from people who don't know.
0: It's all. And they that's don't want to know because they don't of, want
1: to know either. <laughs> you either that's what kind of like what I love about heavy music. It's like you either want to know or you just don't. And that's fine. It's that there's definitely a line in the sand. But then there's all the time there's people who just like, they like the aesthetics or the edge of heavy metal. What it could potentially offer them as a fashion choice.
0: (laughs) Oh, shit. But, you
1: know, it's like, it's just not authentic.
0: Very much so. It's almost like, you know, this is the difference between appropriation versus appreciation, you know, because, like, I've heard this way, you know. Well, it's
1: an appropriation for
0: sure. Absolutely fucking lully, you know. It's one of those yeah. kind of weird things where it's like, I've heard it this way. Um, I'm not going to wear a shirt that says Flanagan Mulligan Family Union, right? And if somebody looks at me like, oh, like, were you there in 95? Right. Huh? I was at the Family Union. You have the shirt that says Mulligan, you know, Smith Family Union. <laughs> I'm like, and they look at you like, huh? It's kind of a weird <laughs> thing where it's like, don't do that. Do you think black rockers have a little easier now than you know we had it?
1: I think yeah. I think it's more. Um, I think people are more open or more tolerant to hear black rock music or, or see or see black rock stories and things like that. Um, I know that the media has been more open to sharing stories about black rock artists now because they've, a lot of them have been called out. So they're trying to like rectify some shit. And they also think it's like a sign of the times. So it's like a show of them trying to stay current and desperately stay relevant and things like that. Um, But I don't know if it's easier. I mean, the whole music industry has changed so much. It's really like anyone's game. If you're able to like make music and get people to pay attention in this like sea of screaming artists, um, then that's amazing. You know, but I think that, you know, the, the gatekeepers have pushed specific artists, right? And so people get an idea. People that aren't musicians think to themselves, oh, this is what I'm supposed to listen to. This is what's out there. You know, and then some people just, they're not that interested in music or they don't know what, what's out there and they don't really care to know because it's overwhelming or, you know, whatever. I, I often I used to have the trap of thinking that other people would do the work and the research to find music that they really like and identify with, but that's not always the case.
0: <laughs> no, what I notice, too, is like...
1: want it, like, nice and easy.
0: Yeah, I notice that, too, and it's a weird thing. Like, yeah, they'll just... Yeah, what I've kind of noticed yeah. over time as well.
1: Yeah, I mean... I, I, I get it. I mean, it's not how I operate. I like to research... Music and artists and things like that, so I can't identify with it. But I'm sure it's how you know, like I don't like sports really. I'm not interested in sports, so it's like it's that's the two way street. Like there's I'm sure there's people that they look at sports like how I look at music. Yeah. So and it, to them, I'm I'm an ignorant person who doesn't understand sports and who the players are and what they've accomplished. You know, it's the same thing.
0: I would usually, when I was maybe up to a few years ago, I would just start, when somebody talked to me about that, like some like, like sports stats and everything, where right? I would start talking a Motorhead. I was like, yeah, see how you feel right now when you talk about, when you talk about Michael Jordan? There you go. I give a yeah. fuck less, actually. Don't worry, I, yeah. sp- I respect yeah. and appreciate the talent, but I'm like, do I look like I'm fucking more sports than you?" Right. <laughs> th- right. It's never like a two-way street thing where it's like you got to tolerate their shit, but Lord forbid, you bring something you like. They look at you yeah. up, like turds hanging out your mouth. Okay, right. Okay. So, Okay, so I'm curious. So you were Fuse for a second, right?
1: I was at Fuse for a long time, actually. All
0: right.
1: Yeah, I was at Fuse. I first started on Fuse in 2000.
0: What was it like? You know, I got to stop saying for a second, by the way, because when I say for a second, the euphemism, I just mean like you were there, right? Because yeah. I remember hearing about this really cool channel that was like the anti-MTV, like MTV but better you know, and I was because we didn't get it though until like 2007, so what was it like though, what was Fuse like, you know
1: so when I first came up, it was Much Music USA and they were changing their format to Fuse so I had actually started when it was Much Music USA and and it started changing over to Fuse I was hosting shows, but it was like I mean, I just host shows for them out out of my my living room, like in my apartment. That's how far back this goes. um It was very d i y for a while, and I left to go on tour. I got a European tour, and then when I came back was in, it was like the new and improved fuse um so they called me in like le- legit like the last day of my tour and was like, hey, are you still interested in, are you back yet, you know, do you want to do some more stuff, you know, I said, like, great, yeah. So, I did a couple shows, like, um, Tastemaker was my first show back, and then there was a couple other shows, like, um, oh, God, there was, like, there were so many shows, they just kept changing up formats to see what worked, right? But all during this time, there was just... It just wasn't carried by that many people. Like, people didn't pay for it. It was just... It was an add-on channel. So not a lot of people got the channel. And then um, it started accelerating and getting some speed, like, around, like, the... Yeah, like, 2007... No, it was, like, 2005, 2006... It started actually getting, you know, some notoriety. Um, And then, to be completely frank, they started taking me off the rock shows because I had gotten some hate mail over something I said about, I said something negative about Avril Lavigne, and some girls in the Midwest didn't like what I said. Uh, So between that and they wanted somebody who looked the part more, they ended up kind of, like, pushing me back, and then Julia came on.
0: See, that's that bullshit right there, you know? Because I'm, like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> more, I'm more alarmed, basically. Wait, people were upset. You might have said somebody, Avril Lavigne. Because when I was coming up, actually, right, we just looked at Avril Levine like the obnoxious little sister that your parents right. had to take her to the mall. Being the total <laughs> cock block, by the way.
1: You know?
0: <laughs> So I'm like, well it's just or...
1: I said something negative about her. I said she's not real punk rock. It was something like that. She just dresses she, she styled wasn't. to look that way. And like these girls didn't like that at all. Yeah. And then like yeah, but they don't know that. Little girls in the Midwest didn't know that at the time. You know? So the higher ups said, Well, if if X number of people write and say that they're complaining and they say that they don't like this. That means there's actually hundreds more that don't like it as well. They just haven't written. So that was their, their method of belief. Um, so that was going on. And then they called me in to do heavy metal makeover in 2000. And, oh, God. When was that? 13, 2010. I don't remember, but it was a long time ago, but... Um,
0: I do remember it was, now.
1: It was their first reality show. And they had brought they brought me in. They said, we definitely want you on the show. And they were like, who else can we bring in? Because we were kind of envisioning it being like... You know, like the show was modeled after Queer Eye for the straight guy.
0: Makes sense. You know, that was and, an era. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's yeah. like...
1: So they said they wanted three to four girls that, you know, could you know, each have different superpowers, I guess, you know, like how the guys do on that show. And, um, at the time I was also working as a makeup artist. I was like national artist for Urban Decay Cosmetics and, um, and they were like, oh, we can combine that and make you like the makeup portion of the show. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, um... It was a bitch, though. <laughs> I just say the show was like they just didn't, you know, bless their fucking hearts, but they just didn't understand like the different subgenres of heavy metal. They all like lumped it into one thing, and they didn't realize that like someone that would like black metal wouldn't necessarily like Marilyn Manson.
0: No, not at all.
1: Right, but they didn't understand that. To them, it all looked the same. You see what I mean? So there were a lot of sessions of me, like I would go to like a a newsstand, like a typical like New York newsstand that had like shit ton of magazines, you know, from all over the world. And I would get music magazines and I would bring them to, you know, the round tables at at these meetings and stuff. I'd be like, okay, this looky here. This is black metal. And, and, and this here that's you know gothic metal and this this is thrash metal like and they were like oh like they just didn't know they didn't know of all the subgenres and I was like trying to explain that they were very different things and that if one person was really into one thing that they wouldn't necessarily like this other thing
0: I just wish they would listen to people that understood and knew stuff you know like for example it's like okay it's like you know it's like, I might love I love dance hall, but I'm like, I might not be big, big, about, big on reggaeton, actually, right? Wasn't the same thing? Started out as the same thing, but there's very different, you know, yeah, very different yeah. things, you know? It's one of those sure. kind of deals, you know? When I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, but that's, I can put it this way, like, they make it a big deal, like, that if you like Kendra Lamar and Lil Uzi Vert, well, they're both rappers, aren't they? Yeah, but two different styles, two different audiences, yeah. two different things. And it's almost like, you know, it's just one of those kind of deals, you know. Right. You know, so I was kind of curious too. Like, okay, so you're singing backup for Cindy Lauper, actually numerous people too. What did you learn singing backup, actually, and how did you utilize it for being a front woman?
1: I learned that I don't want to sing backup <laughs> ever again. Okay. <laughs> I learned that it's, it's one of the most unsatisfying jobs a musician can take, I think, or a can take, at least for me. Um, because, you know, I'm on stage, like I'm a lion. I just, I can't be, uh, you know, off to the side in the shadows, like turned down in the monitors and just like moving, you know, in unison with people standing next to me. I just, it's just, the most unsatisfying job in a band. Um, I don't wish it on anyone. <laughs> it's just, and for whatever reason, you know, I call them background vocals. Um, people are just so enamored with background vocals, but you know, to me, being a lead singer, it was a good. It was a good opportunity. It was a good place to to learn, like you're saying. Um, but I would never do it again. I think uh, that was my... That was me paying my dues.
0: For sure. I love that term, blackround vocals, because I notice a lot of background singers usually be black. <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah. Like, it's... It's... It's, I, it's...
1: A stereotype. And there's, like, a vibe, like... You know, like once your name is in the in the in the hat that you're willing to be a background singer, um, you get a lot of calls. I mean, you could easily do that job forever if you really wanted to, because not a lot of people that are artists will do that. It definitely is a specific skill set where you're not showing. Who you really are, in a way, you're showing like a really watered down version of yourself. So it's completely unsatisfying. Um, Yeah, it's complete. There's a. It's just completely unsatisfying in that way. Um, The cool part of it was like you get a lot of perks if you're with somebody that's hugely famous that means you're kind of, like, sharing in their lifestyle a bit. You know, you're part of their entourage. You're part of their team. You know, you're staying in five-star hotels, you know, resorts, whatnot. You know, you're getting the treatment. You know, you usually get all kinds of hookups. Um, You get to meet other famous people, and you get to party with them. Like, it's all that shit, right? That's all great, but for me, after a while, I just kind of, like, hit the wall with it. I was like, yeah, I don't really want to ooh and aah in the dark behind someone else anymore.
0: I don't blame you, because you know what one of my favorite background vocals really was? It was Alicia Keys' Diary, where I forgot a dude's name, actually, but I'm like, he murked her on her own fucking track. Mhm. And it's almost like, damn, dude got screwed, you know? Because I felt like it should be the flip around. This is, feels kind of weird, you know? No diss to Alicia Keys, actually, but I always kind of felt like, you know, because I want to hear more from that dude, actually, you know. Right. You know, but, or right, some. Um,
1: I would say to anyone that was, like, up and coming as a singer, you know, background stuff is a good start in the industry. You know, she doesn't talk about it, but <clears throat> Tori Emma sang backup for Sandra Bernhardt briefly.
0: She did. So yeah. did
1: I. That's how I found out about it. Um, cool. And then, like, <clears throat> who else? Like, Sheryl Crow sang back up for
0: Michael Jackson. She you did. know,
1: I mean, there's, yeah. There's, like, there's a whole history of all that.
0: True, yeah. You know, one thing. And th-
1: interestingly enough, oftentimes the background singers are, like, the greatest vocalists on they stage. They are.
0: They're, like, the fucking yeah. secret weapon.
1: Yeah, know? it's true. Like, um, Tata Vega. Has sung back up for guess, Elton John for years. It was like,
0: it was, I think it was Bruce Springsteen
1: and Elton John, she was with. Like, did you ever see the color purple?
0: Oh, ever the movie?
1: Yeah. Hell
0: yeah! Actually, I'm yes. working on this one song called Steely's Blade, based about it.
1: So, so you know the singer Shug Avery?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Her voice in all of that, all the songs she sang is Tata Vega. Really? It's dubbed by Tata Vega, yeah. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. That was a lip sync for that actress.
0: I never thought about that.
1: So, Quincy Jones brought in Tata Vega. Tata Vega was, um... She was doing, like, a solo thing and it just didn't catch on for some reason. Um, but she was just beloved in the industry, so then she got these, like, great jobs... You know, uh, she ended up becoming a a backup singer for these guys that, like, respected her. These guys. When I say these guys, I mean Springsteen and Elton John. Um, But she's a backup singer, and she's got, like, one of the greatest voices on the planet. You know, Lisa Fisher is like that, too. Lisa Fisher sang with the Rolling Stones for years. You know, she... But she won a Grammy for her solo stuff, but no one really acknowledges that. Um, but she still sings... She was in a... What's that movie? 30 Feet from Stardom or 50 Feet from Stardom, whatever it's called. Um, she actually sang Back Up for Nine Inch Nails like a couple of years ago, um, which I kind of... I was... Not kind of. I was super horrified to see two round vocalists on stage with Nine Inch Nails. It was just kind of like oh no he's doing that rolling stones thing no Yeah. and it was but he did shout her out and you know give her a solo and stuff but um but yeah she says that she's totally content doing background gigs because she just loves singing that much you know so she does her solo thing i mean she sells out the blue note like all over the world but uh you know, she still sings. I know she still sang with Darling Love. You know, she was in the background choir doing, like, late night talk shows, like, for at Christmas, singing the Christmas song. Like, I'm like, do you know who that is? She should not be in the choir. <laughs> like, it's just, like, to me, it's, like, an atrocity, but it's her life and her career, and, you know, who am I to tell her what to do? I don't, I, it's, like, we've never actually met, but we are aware of each other, but... It, I just, I just wish. Uh, I don't know. I just wish. I think it's getting better. That people are getting used to seeing different kinds of Black people on stage, doing different jobs on stage, different roles on stage. Um, I mean, all in in most of the like artistic and creative communities, like Broadway, finally got its head kicked in with Hamilton. You know. And, um, you know, uh, I think alternative music and, and metal music and stuff like that is getting, you know, a kick in the pants too, you know, even it's, it's, it's turning around, but it's like, it's, it's, it's been a long road. <laughs>
0: you know? Okay. You met Corey Glover, right? Obviously. Cause that's all you do to do it. Right. So I was like, oh, it was, Wondering, were y'all in Jesus Christ Superstar around the same time?
1: I wish no, we were not. I would love
0: that. I was wondering that because I was like, yo, they were both in or when did they crossed paths or something like that. Because I remember he was Judas, and I remember what was your role again?
1: I was like one of the three black girls. Judas is like entourage or whatever. But I was I was a Mary Magdalene understudy, but I never went on. Hmm.
0: Cool. All right, another but thing. Yeah,
1: I so- wish we were in it together. That would have been. Super fun. <sighs> but, like, if you do any research or if you give a fuck about Jesus Christ Superstar, you'll find out that, like, so many successful, like, musicians and artists, like, were in the show at some point in time in their lives.
0: True.
1: Like, Trent Reznor was Judas in, in Jesus Christ Superstar when he was, like, in high school. And then, like, like if you just, <laughs> if you Google it, it seriously is a weird thing. Like, I feel like it's, like, a rite of passage.
0: I know my mom's friend played Judas actually. Um, that this.
1: was my dream role. I wanted to be Judas, but they wouldn't give it to me because I was a girl.
0: It's gonna drive me crazy. Was it Carl Weathers? I can't
1: remember Wait, the the original Judas?
0: Yeah, the original Judas. What was his name?
1: Oh uh, yeah, no, his name was Carl. It is Carl. And that was um, Carl.
0: It's gonna drive me nuts. Shit. That was uh, like one of my mom's best buds too. Carl. What was it again? Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson, that's it. That's one of my mm-hmm. mom's best buds, actually, you know. Oh, uh, cool. He was a cool dude, you know. May he rest in peace. Yeah. But I'm like, I know, like, um, wait, Johnny Rodden was in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ Superstar too, right?
1: See? Um,
0: John. <laughs> I want to say John Lighting and also Alice Cooper.
1: Yeah. Which actually,
0: actually makes sense, though, actually, you know. Like, kind of full circle, if you You know. Yeah,
1: All right. just I mean it's just like one of the, I guess more rock rock musicals. So, I mean it's pretty it's pretty intense musically at times, you know.
0: Yeah, it's like that's one of the separates, so like, you know.
1: It's like very like any metalhead if they like musicals or hate musicals they probably like Jesus Christ Superstars music.
0: It's oh yeah, it's like a thing. I remember Eminem um, M&M sample that when he was doing the Soul Intent thing, he was sample one of the parts.
1: Uh huh
0: the early M and M days actually with proof and everything. The little guitar mm-hmm. riff they sampled that.
1: Oh sure. That riff is like yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. That's the clincher.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Alright, one thing we're trying to figure out actually, how'd you get the name Militia Vox?
1: <laughs> um, I earned that name. I uh I got it in New York. I um had moved from Boston, and I had a different stage name at the time with that uh, goth band, that goth industrial band I was talking about. Hmm. And I was like, I don't really feel like this is me anymore, and I was like, it was like something different, you know. And actually, that dominatrix from Vulgaris was like, you know, you're very powerful on stage, you need, like, a name that conveys that, you know, you need something that really, you know, grabs attention, something that's, like, almost, it's something that's a word, but... it could be a name type thing. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, like a weapon, like, like, like artillery or militia. And I was just like, oh, I like that. Like, those are cool. And we were just like, um, we just started using it. It just kind of stuck because she was like, basically anytime, like, the shit would hit the fan or something would go down, like, they would always call me to, like, fix it. It was kind of like, you know, Vince the Wolf, you know, kind of like the wolf from Pulp Fiction. Like, you just kind of would reach out to me to, like, take care of shit. So, like, that that's what a militia does, so it just stuck. Mm -hmm. I had earned it, and it stuck. And an interesting footnote to that story is, um, (laughs) when I was doing Van Helsing's Curse, we had a residency in Las Vegas at the Joint, and, um, at the Hard Rock Casino. And I was in the dressing room or getting makeup done and stuff like that for the show. That was that show with Dee Snyder. And um they hired Chippendale's dancers to like walk around like dressed painted as zombies and like <laughs> you know, for ambiance. And um we were in the makeup room and I was talking to this one guy and he was like, Oh, he was like Militia, that's a really cool name like dig that that's like that's powerful that's strong I was like yeah that's cool and fast forward like god maybe three years or something and the same dude comes out on American Gladiators and his stage name is Militia no shit and I was so pissed I was like he fucking stole my stage name it was horrifying it was just like oh my god this is awful And then he decided to, like, raise the bar, and uh, he got got kicked off of American Gladiators because it came out that he had done all this porn. He had done a bunch of gay porn. Oh, shit. And so, when you Google militia, oftentimes, like, I would come up, and then he would come up, and then his pornography would come up, and I was like, I was like, I fucking hate this shit. Like, I need a differentiator, like, something that separates me from this guy. So like Vox and it was a, a Facebook thing at first. Like I used to spell the name like capital M I L I capital M I L I T I capital a period was how oh, I did that as a differentiator and it was because of him stealing my stage name. And so, um. Oh, okay. that makes sense. and so when I, when Facebook came around, I needed a last name hmm. and someone was like, Oh, well, why not just like say what you do? Like, you're a singer, so your last name should be like Vox. And I was like, "Ah, eh, it's a temporary thing, I guess." Like, fine, it's just Facebook, and it ended up sticking. <laughs> and so, like, authors were writing about me, and they were saying they were calling me Militia Vox. And I said, "Okay, I guess it's first and last name now." <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just it just kind of evolved like that.
0: That sounds like a way cooler story. How I got the, the nickname Sketch.
1: Oh, really? Do tell
0: literally when I was younger right and I was really having animation everything so I was part of this one program where I can learn animation right and Mm -hmm. well it was on the fucking show John everything right those five guys in the class named John I got sick Mm -hmm. of whiplash (laughs) so I got sick of whiplash because like Uh no not you the other John Mm -hmm. I got tired of turning my neck around so (laughs) exactly so I thought the name sketch Turner was pretty cool you know and for a second, it was Sketch Kamalani off the murder show Pepper Ann.
1: What was the show?
0: It was this really obscure cartoon called Pepper Ann, right? And she had this friend named Milo Kamalani. Mm-hmm. And I thought the name Kamalani was cool as fuck. I didn't know the fuck. I didn't know it was like fucking Samoa. I didn't know it. I just thought it was cool. It sounded cool. Mm-hmm. So for a second, it was Sketch Kamalani for a second, right? I haven't used that mm-hmm. in years. So then it turned to like a nod to like Sketch Turner from, you know, from Comic Zone, this video game called Comic Zone, right? which only Mm. like three people probably remember Mm -hmm. (laughs) like me the guy who sold to me and somebody I interviewed (laughs) that's really the video Mm -hmm. games so that's how the name sketch came about you know and so there you go pretty much there so yours sounds way cooler because even with like the name militia vox like it sounds like really intense like basically a whole lot of militias coming and basically tear shit up you know Right. that's what right. it sounds like you know it's almost like yeah. it even sounds like you know like instead of screaming vocals no militia vox like militia mm-hmm. vocals that's what it sounds like to me
1: yeah totally well that's like you know that's the, that's, that's the whole premise of it it definitely you know is something that if you were to like break it down translation wise like it would be like rebel voice there or, you like, go. army voice you know so it's like it's very fitting for me um, that's why I'm so horrified that he fucking he name jacked me.
0: <laughs> you would not be the first because it was mm-hmm. this one rapper I know of, her name is Jinx, right? And apparently there was an adult film star with the same name. Mm-hmm. You know, and ironically she's on OnlyFans now. She's mm-hmm. not nothing bad, nothing no different than something we've seen in Playboy back in the day. So it's kind of ironic mm-hmm. actually, right? So go figure. Well not ironic, just more interesting, I put it that way.
1: I mean, I feel like I've seen Jinx in a couple places. Like, I know there's a drag queen called Jinx Monsoon, um, and I just feel like maybe there's like maybe there's like cartoons or animations that have that name or something like that.
0: Yeah, Pokemon actually It was kind of fucked right. up. It's like this one because up it this way there was this thing in Japan called Ganguro, right? And mm. it was like a parody of like Westernized America's like you know California girls did like the tan thing. Mm-hmm. But there was a mistranslation, so they painted the character in Pokemon Jinx black, so mm-hmm. it just looks like Mammy. And I don't think the Japanese understand what the fuck they did to piss everybody off. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: I remember that's the that's one Jinx I think of, actually. She goes with Eva Rhymes now, though. Uh-huh. But-
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, the name is hard because there's such overlap, and then you could get in a situation where there's, like, brand confusion. Not that I think anyone's going to confuse me and Alex Castro, but, um, you know, I, I didn't appreciate him le- legit taking my name. <laughs> like, True, it, just, it was like a straight-up steal. <laughs>
0: you're right, you know, which, you know, people always ripping shit off, especially from black people, especially black women was ripping shit off, actually, you know. Like, mm-hmm. to me, I always felt like You know what, I probably would like Zeppelin more if they actually had a black female lead singer.
1: Mm -hmm, I probably would like a
0: little bit more, just saying.
1: But it looks funny because, actually, Alex is of color. I'm not exactly sure what his mix is. He looks like he might be black and Hispanic. That's Uh, why it was an extra slap in the face, like, uh, seriously going to take my name? Wow. uh, Um, And now apparently there's a drag queen in San Francisco that's going by militia. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Just, no, 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 we're not doing this again.
0: <laughs> just like, you know, maybe Militia Vox. This makes more sense because that's why I go with Sketch MD, you know?
1: Yeah. Like, well, actually, um, Bono is actually Bono Vox. Really? Mm
0: hmm. I just remember, like, yeah. about Bono. I remember this one star I heard about him, you know? He went to work with Captain Beefheart one time, right? And he wrote mm-hmm. this really nice letter, and apparently Captain Far was not a fan. <laughs> So wrote, Dear Bongo, nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know about the Bono Vox until later, because I just like was Googling just to make sure that no one else was using that. Huh. And then it came up that he was using it initially and then dropped it. And I was like, oh, okay. As long as he dropped it.
0: <laughs> cool, you know, it's not like it's Ramon or something like that, even though they got that from Paul McCartney. So, you know, when they, I think militia Not, no, nothing. I really feel Militia Vox has superseded that. It's become a brand, it's become taking life of its own. You know? Mm -hmm, So there's no confusing. You know? So, yeah. You
1: know, shit. Yeah. No. And it's all good. It's all good. It's served me well.
0: Oh, totally. You know? Militia, great chatting with you. Is there anything out right now you want everybody to check out? You know?
1: Um, well, definitely if you if you are on Spotify, that fucking awful beast of um, of a digital machine, check me out on Spotify and follow and listen to the catalog, not just the the top most recently played songs. Um, check out the discography. You'll find some hidden gems in there. and uh, you can look for m- new music. I'm gonna release two albums this year. So be on the lookout for that. And um, and I got a new metal metal band in the works, so definitely check out for that because it's definitely some of the most creative stuff I've ever written. So I'm excited for that to come out.
0: Cool. So what's your social media if you don't mind me asking?
1: All of it is at Militia is my name. That's M I L I T I A is my name. I S M Y N A M E
0: okay okay got you okay so militia is my name okay i got you so mm-hmm. same thing on twitter and instagram so at yep. militia is my name on twitter and instagram cool Yep. great
1: awesome thank you so much i appreciate it no sketch.
0: problem it's an honor <laughs> to chat with you take it cool. easy
1: thanks so much you too bye. bye
0: hey check out militia vox at i am militia vox on instagram and twitter until next time take it easy and use common sense